Well, good morning, everybody. Great to see you. Oftentimes when someone comes into the church office uh, and wants to talk about something going on in their life, they often use a phrase. And I guarantee it's a phrase that you have used in your life or will use at some point in your life. After sharing about something hard in their life, they often say, but you know what? It could be worse. Could be worse. And that is true. That's something for us as suffering people to keep in mind. People have had it worse than us. And we can think hypothetically about how our suffering could become worse. But the opposite is true as well. In your happiest, most excited, most highlighted moment of your life, you as a Christian can say, it is only going to get better. A Christian can say this because even in your best day, in your best moment, it cannot compare to the future of enjoyment that God has planned for you. The greatest joy you could think of right now, the greatest joy you could feel right now is simply a foretaste, an appetizer for the glories of eternity. As a Christian, you can look at every joy, every happy moment in your life as God preparing you for eternity. So the laughter of a child, the sight of a Grand Canyon, that first bite of your favorite meal that your mom cooked you. All those little pleasures in life are a grace of God and a reminder to us that one day we will experience and feel that joy forever. That it will not fade. It will never become just normal to us or routine. Even this morning, there's a sense of pleasure and happiness. As the breeze is coming through, as you're sitting in the shade, it's a celebration. Yet maybe in a few hours, maybe by tomorrow, that feeling you feel when you're all singing together is going to maybe fade. That happiness. And yet with God in eternity, there is no such thing as a fade. Joy upon joy, every moment. God gives us these pleasures in life, even the little ones, to whet our appetite for heaven. And we can say, it's only going to get better than this. But our world, our culture, doesn't, that doesn't believe in Jesus, lives for those moments of happiness Enjoy the world that disbelieves in God only has moments and seasons of happiness. Now, they do feel joy when their child laughs. They do love the sight of the Grand Canyon. They love to eat their favorite food. But if they don't turn to Christ, they cannot say honestly, it's only going to get better than this. Without God, all we live for are seasons and moments of pleasure and happiness. That's all we have. And as that stuff fades and it's limited, we want more. We are unsatisfied. And yet if we have God, we have a future so bright and so glorious and so real that we can't even imagine. We are finishing up our study through the 66 chapters of Isaiah this morning. But this morning, we're just going to look at the final uh, nine verses in chapter 65. So if you have a Bible, turn there. We're going to finish by how Isaiah concludes his prophecy. Looking at the days in the future that all Christians, all people of God are looking forward to. So if you have a Bible, open up to Isaiah 65. We're going to be in verses 17 to 25. But if you remember, way back in the beginning of chapter 1, 
Isaiah prophesies, and he begins by saying this, Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. God looks over all of creation, all that he has created, everything that exists, and what does he see? He sees rejection. He sees a mess. He sees chaos. He sees a people who have turned against him, broken promises, disappointment, sorrow, disease, and that's how the book begins the heavens and the earth in shambles. But what we're about to read is God coming back to look at the heavens and the earth, but this time it's a different picture because God has created a new heavens and a new earth, and he does not see sorrow or cancer or disappointment or sin or broken promises. He sees utter joy. So we're going to read this description here in chapter 65, starting in verse 17. Now, these are the perfect, inspired words of God, and yet we as mere human beings on this side of eternity cannot even fully uh, feel them or understand them. That's how beautiful they are. But God gave them to us to excite us and prepare for heaven. This is the word of the Lord. For behold... I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come into mind, but be glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem to be a joy, and her people to be a gladness. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people. No more shall be heard in the sound of weeping and the cry of distress. No more shall there be in it an infant who lives but a few days, or an old man who does not fill out his days. For the young man shall die a hundred years old, and the sinner a hundred years old shall be accursed. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For like the days of a tree shall the days of my people be, and my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain or bear children for calamity, for they shall be the offspring of the blessed of the Lord and their descendants with them. Before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall graze together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox and dust shall be the serpent's food. They shall not hurt or destroy in my holy mountain, says the Lord. That is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, please allow your word to dwell richly in us, that it may teach us and admonish us and encourage us, and that there will not be a place in our own heart that your word does not reach. Help me clearly and accurately proclaim your word this morning. Spirit, help us. Amen. As I have talked to older or more seasoned, I'm sorry, Christians, I've observed how excited they are for heaven. I think the more days and the more years that we live, we get more excited for this reality of the new heavens and new earth. And I think that's because the more that we live, the more that we suffer. The more we see the reality of sin and brokenness in our world, right? If you're an older Christian, you have lost loved ones. You have seen 
disappointment. You have faced sickness and suffering. And the more honestly that we see the world that we live in, the more excited and hopeful we are for the next world that God has created, the new heavens and the new earth. Because the pleasures of this world are fleeting. And we all know this on paper. But many of you older Christians have said to me, just remember this, Troy, nothing matters in life but Jesus. And many of you have stories that you've told me where you sought out money. You've sought out a career of success. You sought out relationships. You sought out your hobbies. And the older you get in life, you realize, I wasted a lot of my time because what matters most is Christ. The older we get, the more we see that. And this passage emphasizes over and over again that the true joy and satisfaction and enjoyment we will actually experience in life cannot compare to Jesus. Money doesn't come close. Dreams and aspirations can't compete. No, our future in the new heavens and new earth will be one of perfect enjoyment. And that's exactly what the main point of this passage and the sermon is this morning. So here's, I want to give it to you. It's in your bulletin as well. But God will create a new heavens and a new earth, and it will be a place of absolute enjoyment. And there is no nuance needed there. I mean absolute enjoyment. Our passage lists out many reasons, many proofs or evidences that the new heavens and new earth will be enjoyable. That you will find yourself happy every step of the way. Pleasure filled. Now we're going to look at those four reasons in a moment. But first I want to clarify something that I didn't understand for most of my Christian life. As a kid I was taught that if you believe in heaven, if you believe in Jesus, you'll get to heaven with God and you'll spend eternity with him in heaven. And that is partially true and yet not fully true now there is a heaven that's real right now right if you have loved ones who believed in jesus they are in heaven right now but the majority of our eternal life is not going to be in a heaven somewhere but it's going to be in the new heavens and the new earth so right now even our our beloved parents and siblings and former church members who have died and gone to be with the Lord, they are waiting even right now in heaven for God to come and inaugurate the new heavens and new earth where everything and all of creation down to the core of the earth will be made new and they will be given glorified bodies. So yes, if we die today, before Jesus comes back, we will go to heaven, but we will still be waiting for the new heavens and the new earth where we will absolutely enjoy him. I want to look at these reasons for enjoyment for us, and I pray that we walk away excited and thankful. The first reason why the new heavens and new earth will be enjoyable is because in the new heavens and new earth, all the things that sought to rob us from the joy of God will pass away. Everything competing with God is everything that's competing with true joy. And all of that competition will be wiped away and will cease to exist. Look down in your Bibles at verse 17. The first description of the new heavens and new earth says this. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come into mind. Former things. The first thing that makes the new heavens and new earth so enjoyable, so beautiful, is the former things have passed away. They 
we will not remember them. They won't sneak up in our mind, but we will find our new home so pleasure-filled because God is going to remove things from our past and from our hearts that seek to rob us of joy. Things that distract us from God. Things that tempt us to think God has forgotten or forsaken you. Temptations that compete with finding pleasure only in God. Suffering, trials, broken hearts, disappointment. Things that bring us pain and regret and bitterness and hopelessness. All of this will pass away. Every single thing that tries to stand between you and God will be eliminated. And Isaiah gives a few examples here of some things that would rob us from joy. Verse 29 mentions that in the new heavens and new earth, in eternity, there will be no sounds of weeping. No cries of distress. Can you imagine a world without any bad news? In verse 20, he says, No more shall there be in it an infant who lives but a few days, or an old man who does not fill out his days. There will be no death in eternity. We live in a world full of tragedy, and yet those tragedies don't exist. There will be no anxiety for you mothers and fathers with sick kids. There will be no pain from dealing with being at a funeral for a loved one. No longer will a man's life be cut off short before it's fully lived. Why? Because he will fully live for all of eternity. Death and sickness and loss, those things that try to diminish our lives will be gone. And you can add in your own list here of your life. The trauma you felt, the anxiety you felt, the illnesses you have, things that have attacked you or disabled you or sought you out, right? Some of you have lost children. You've lost loved ones. You are physically sick. You are living with a broken heart. Someone you loved has betrayed you. You're carrying a weight of hurts. Those things that have tortured you and deflated your joy will be gone. But it goes beyond that. It's not just that they'll be gone, but Isaiah says, the former things shall not be remembered or come into mind. Memory loss to us today is a terrible thing. It may begin with misplacing your keys or your phone, but then eventually you probably know someone who, whose memory loss has spiraled out of control. Recently I called a, a man that I've known for about eight, eight or nine years, and he would pray for my ministry every single day. He's kind of like an adopted grandparent for me. His name is Rolf. And I called him about a month ago, and he had no idea who I was. Right, the same guy that we've had in our home, that we've cooked dinner for, we've been to his house so many times, and yet he has no idea who I am. And that's a tragedy. And yet, the memory loss that we're going to have in the new heavens and new earth will be one of the greatest gifts we receive from God. I read one pastor who said this. He said, about five seconds into this new world, you and I are going to turn to each other and say, cancer? Terrorism? What were those things again? I forget. It doesn't matter. Here we go. Everything that sought to rip joy from our hearts will be ripped from our memory. It will have no effect on us anymore. Can you imagine how enjoyable a life will be without anything negatively affecting you even in your mind? If you are in physical pain, like if, if you know that the rest of your life, your activity is limited because of your physical pain, can you imagine waking up one morning, 
jumping and leaping out of bed, kicking the wheelchair to the side, and going and running a marathon because you are, for some reason, find that enjoyable. I don't know why, but can you imagine the joy you would feel to be freed from that physical ailment? Okay, but what about for those of you who are fearful or anxious or dealing with past traumas where you can't walk into a room without feeling anxious? you're wondering if someone's going to hurt you, you have a lack of trust for people. Can you imagine walking freely without one thought of anxiousness or fear or trauma? Our heavenly memory loss is a good thing, and it will make our new home so enjoyable. So when we feel physical pain or we feel the effects of past events in our lives, know that they do not have to define you because they won't even be a thought in your mind in the new heavens and the new earth. Praise God that all things that seek to rob us from joy will fade away. But secondly... In the new heavens and new earth, everything we do, see, and experience will be perfectly enjoyable. Everything will be perfectly enjoyable. He doesn't just wipe away all that is bad or all the bad memories in our life. Rather, he frees us to fully live out the good. Everything you do and see and think and feel and experience in eternity will be pleasing to us. There will be nothing that's neutral. Look at verses 21 and 23. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruits. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For like the days of a tree shall the days of my people be. And my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain or bear children for calamity. For they shall be the offspring of the blessed of the Lord and the descendants of with them. Now Isaiah uses a lot of cultural items of his day to describe the practical joy that the people will have. He talks about vineyards, for example. And vineyards in ancient Israel, you know, planting and cultivating them was extremely hard and risky work because you might plant a vineyard and because of an army coming in, because of the, the dry weather, you may never actually see the fruit of your vineyard. The work of building a house here is going to produce joy because they're going to actually inhabit them. Again, in Israel, you'd build a house and it would easily be overtaken or captured. But not in the new heavens and the new earth. Isaiah says the work of your hands, the tasks that you will accomplish will be enjoyable. And there's no footnote, there's no asterisk about laundry or doing the dishes or building, no, it says, every work that we will do will be enjoyable. And then he says, mothers will not labor in pain. Now, this imagery here is not to be taken literally here, okay? There will not be children being born in the new heavens and new earth. And I don't know if we're responsible for building our own houses. If they're already there, I'm not sure. If that's the case, I'm going to need some help to build it. But Isaiah is describing things from his own culture that will be completely transformed. No, there will not be childbirth, but if there were, there would be no pain. It would only be enjoyable. I do not know if there will be TV and movies in eternity. I don't know if there will be sports or what kind. I don't know what the work of our hands will be, but that's what we're really curious about, right? 
We think of what we enjoy right now, and we say, oh, is there going to be fishing in heaven? Will there be hunting? Oh, will that sport be there? Will that hobby be there? Will woodworking be there? Well, we think about that because those are the things that bring us pleasure and joy today. And what this passage is saying is, don't be so worried about if baseball or painting or woodworking or hunting is in the new heavens and new earth. Know this, everything you do will be full of joy. You will not have one mediocre small talk conversation in the new heavens and new earth. You will not have an average day in the new heavens and new earth. You will not eat a meal that you consider so-so. It will be joyful. Many of you right now work a job that you hate or dislike and you hate getting up in the morning. You dread it. That's no longer the case. What this passage is saying is God is going to create Jerusalem to be a joy. The city that we're going to be living in, that imagery of the future heavenly city, the new heavens and new earth, it doesn't just have joy. It is joy. There's not one step you will take physically in the new heavens and the new earth where you are not experiencing pleasure and enjoyment. So that thrill that you do feel on a roller coaster is just an appetizer for the new heavens and new earth. That beautiful landscape of that lake or your hunting land is just a foretaste of how you will feel when you wake up in the backyard in the new heavens and new earth. The joy you feel from your most treasured relationship today is just a glimmer of what you will feel every single day in the new heavens and the new earth. God is a God of joy. And our future is with him entirely. So what that means is all that we do and think and feel and experience will be joyful because we are without God and nothing can limit God. Thirdly, we find the new heavens and new earth so enjoyable because there will be nothing but joyful harmony and peace. In the new heavens and new earth, there will be harmony and peace. Look at verse 22. It says, they shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another build. There will be such relational harmony and peace that there is no threat of someone overtaking your house. Right? Israel was always fearful, especially in Isaiah, of these Assyrians coming in or Babylon coming in. There's not going to be another nation to kidnap or destroy. Whatever you plant in the ground will not be taken. Not even a squirrel is going to steal your tomatoes. Utter peace. Nothing of yours will be toppled down. Now, my son Haddon is in the toy building, kind of the block phase, right? He's building up towers and houses using Legos and blocks. And the thing that makes him so mad is when he's building his tower, and out of the corner of his eye, he sees his one-year-old sister, Joe, start walking towards it. One swipe of the hand, and what happens? His whole creation is destroyed. We're going to live in a city where there's no one coming around the corner. Where there will be no damage, there will be no tension, no toppling over of blocks, utter harmony. There will not be competing news stations that offer the opposite conflict-fueled agenda. There will not be this group against that group. There will be no wars. Look at verse 25. The wolf and the lamb shall graze 
together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox, and dust shall be the serpent's food. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, says the Lord. This screams new creation. Wolves and lambs are no longer enemies. Lambs do not have to live in fear of being chased or eaten by the ravenous wolf. Rather, side by side, they're going to graze together in peace and harmony. And look, the lion is eating straw, not attacking prey. He's no longer a carnivore, but he's a herbivore in the new heavens and new earth. Complete change. He even is made new. But look at this. This one's cool. The dust shall be the serpent's food. Genesis 3. Satan, through the serpent, causes Adam and Eve to give in to sin. And in Genesis 3, God promises that the serpent will be crushed under the feet of Jesus. And here, Isaiah is not forgetting that and saying, the dust shall be the serpent's food, right? That phrase of, you will eat my dust, humiliation and loss, that's the serpent. He has eaten dust, and he's no longer going to be a threat to anybody. What God promised in Genesis 3 came came to be true thousands of years later through Jesus, and we're going to see the fulfillment of that whenever Jesus comes back. Everything back to peace and harmony because all things have been made new by God. So imagine this future, especially relationally. There will be no competition. There will be no comparing yourself to someone else. There will be no fighting or conflict. There will be no room or need for bitterness or revenge. There's going to be no one that just rubs you the wrong way. We will be like the wolf and the lamb grazing together. And it's only God who can bring enemies together like this. The lion and the wolf. It's relational harmony. Have you had one of those moments maybe with your your best friend or your spouse where you said the same thing at the same time? You feel that connection, that harmony. That's the new heavens and new earth. We will be so for one another. We will be so for one another's happiness and joy. We will honestly and fully and realistically love each other. So that is our future, but are, are you, are, are we striving to live this out as much as we can now? Do we, the church, act any different than the world in our love and our relationships? Do we act divisively? Do we push people away? If we're going to experience joy and life in all of our relationships in eternity, do we not think we can experience that joy right now? I mean, church, we in the last two years, we've had numerous conversations with one another personally at a corporate level about politics and COVID and masks and theological issues. And we have realized that we have people on all sides of these issues. So do we live out this passage now as best we can, like the wolf and lamb grazing together, not attacking each other, but grazing together, eating and feasting? Or are we going to let our differences divide us? Or do we show the world how truly and realistically beautiful the new heavens and new earth by how we live today? 
If we want to see that happen now, we the church, the people destined for peace and harmony, must lead the way. That's us. That's our future. And it's beautiful. Harmony and peace. But fourth and finally, the last reason that Isaiah tells us the new heavens and new earth will be enjoyable is because there we will fully enjoy God and fully feel the joy God has for us. We will fully enjoy God and fully feel the joy God has for us. If those first three points seem really good for you, great. But this fourth point from Isaiah is the point that matters most. Yes, it's great that death is gone. Yes, it's great that there will be peace and harmony. But the greatest joy that we get is that we get God fully. We get God fully, and we will fully get God. Look at verses 18 and 19 one last time. Isaiah writes, But be glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I, the Lord, create Jerusalem to be a joy and her people to be a gladness. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people. No more shall be heard of it in the sound of weeping and the cry of distress. God is declaring that the new heavens and new earth will be a place where his presence and his people are fully united. Fully united. Now, Christian, right now you are in Christ. You are united to Jesus, but you are not fully experiencing that union yet. But in the new heavens and the new earth, you will fully experience the love and the joy and the warmth of God. Right, if you go out to the beach on a sunny day, you're going to put sunglasses on or you're going to wear a hat. You can still see the sun. You can still see the light. But that hat and those glasses are limiting the sun's brightness. Right now, many of you are sitting under the shade. The sun is still coming down. You can feel it a little bit. You can see it, but you're not fully basking in the sun. Right now, Christian, we have sunglasses on. We have hats on. We're not yet made perfect. We're not yet fully feeling the warmth of God's love. There's sin, there's obstacles. But when we get to the new heavens and the new earth, the joy and the gladness of this God that we've read about will be fully upon us and nothing will block it. We will be objects of God's joy and God will fully rejoice in you. You will be his delight as you are now, but you will fully feel it and never doubt it. Because right now we at times feel like God is distant or he's punishing us or he's mad at us or he's ignoring us. But rather he's saying, I will be glad in my people. Look at verse 24. Before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. We will feel such relational intimacy with God in the new heavens and new earth that even before we open our lips, God will answer. Because at times we feel today like we are on hold with God, waiting for him to answer, but there will be nothing that alienates us from God. It will be absolute, utter, perfect connection. And as you read through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you can pick up on this intimate relationship between Jesus the Son and God the Father. For example, at the baptism of Jesus, God declares from the heavenly rooftops, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. 
Right? The Spirit descends upon Jesus, anoints him. And if you have believed in Jesus, if you've received the free gift of grace, you're right now receiving that shout from God. And when you get to the new heavens and new earth, you will experience that fully, and you will bask in the warmth of God's delight. Just how Jesus is loved and delighted in by God the Father, you are now, but you will fully experience that in the new heaven, the new earth. Nothing but the love and the tenderness and the happiness of God will be felt. So it comes down to this. Your motivation to get to eternity should not be because you lost a loved one. It should not be because you are are a perfect golfer. You'll be a perfect golfer and hit holes in one in heaven. Nor is it because you even want a world without cancer or war or sickness. Now, all of those might be good things, and the, but the main motivation for why you want to be in the new heaven and the new earth is because you will fully get God. If you want God, if you want Him, then that's the place for you because every single thing we will do will be for the glory and fame of God to exude and demonstrate and proclaim His excellence. As we've seen here, as we worship Him, as we live in His new city, as we do His work, we get nothing but joy. There's joy that comes when we worship God. There's joy when we lay ourselves down before God to honor Him. The heavenly scenery, the lack of death, the harmony of a wolf and a lamb, all those are just icing on the cake, but the cake that we're going to be served is God Himself. For all of eternity, we get to bask in God, and that's what the Christian longs for. But in the meantime, we will face death and mourning and loss and grief and anxiety, and we will be hit hard by life, and yet we Christians will not lose hope because we have God and we have a future so bright with God that even in the midst of the pain of this world, we can proudly and honestly sing out, it is well with my soul. We have a God and we have God forever, and one day when that pain is hitting you so deeply, Remember that one day that pain won't even be in your eternal memory. Just joy will be there. Just joy. And with this in mind, the great hymn, It is well with my soul was written that even in tragic loss, because of hope and our future, the new heavens and new earth, we can suffer with joy. And that's why we're about to sing this song. But let me read this last verse that we can sing out loud. And Lord, haste the day when my faith shall be sight. The clouds be rolled back as a scroll. The trump shall resound and the Lord shall descend. Even so, it is well with my soul. Let's pray. Father, we long for the day where we fully experience you and get you. We pray even this morning as we sing one last song that we will feel the warmth of your love and we will find you more enjoyable than everything else. As we go about our week, work and school and habits and loss and triumphs, that we will live for your glory and know that in your glory there is joy. We love you, God. We thank you for this book of Isaiah and the great big truths we've learned about your nature. We pray we walk away more sanctified as a people. 
We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.